We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Ladies and gentlemen, we've arrived to the series finale of the top QBs of the 2000 series. Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I am your host, Nick Dayus, at the Lame Shows, where you can find me. And joining me, because we still cannot see each other because of quarantine season, lockdown season, the coronavirus is in full-fledged. My guy on the other end, A-double-L-E-M, looking all bearded up. The struggle is real. Struggle is super real. Alan, what's good, man? How you living? Oh, man. Just learning how to cook, read books, listen to podcasts. Just trying to be productive. That's all I could really say at this point. But, yeah, I think I think this is a good time to re, uh, re-energize ourselves, though, given how much you know, everyone's been working the past you know, however many years. I cannot tell you how relaxed and refreshed I feel. It's a perfect time. It is unbelievable how much rest I've gotten. I'm sleeping past 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I can't resonate with that. <laughs> man, oh man. It is, uh, it's 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 kind of pathetic. If I 
If it was under different circumstances, it'd be a complete joke. That's some like seventeen-year-old stuff right there. Oh, dude, so much Xbox. I was just talking about it with the guys in the in the in the Xbox party right before I signed on to do the podcast with you. How we're playing Xbox till three, four in the morning, and then waking up in the late afternoon and just doing it every single night for the last three Damn. weeks. That's commitment. But uh, all right, top five list. We finally gotten here. If you guys haven't checked out the prior episodes, it's. You have a lot of time on your hands. It's a good time to go and check that out. Also, if you haven't checked out a couple of fun episodes, the podcast and chill with Jessica I from the UFC, that is up. And the series, you know, there's been four episodes prior, so definitely go and check those out. Alan, have you gotten any feedback on maybe a controversial take? I want to start there. Is there someone that people reached out to you and told you that they didn't like where you had them? You or me? I'm asking you. No, I'm saying about my list or your list? About your list. Uh, people thought I rate Culpepper a little too high. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's the fanboy in me. I'm not sure. But yeah, they're like, oh, Stafford, over, Stafford should be over Culpepper. I was like, you do make a valid argument. I just, you know, with my whole thought process, as I was kind of just viewing what quarterbacks play at like the highest level certain years. I really think you know, guys like Culpepper, Steve McNair as well. Yeah, they had years where they were MVP caliber quarterbacks. So that's why I kind of pumped a little higher. But yeah, I did get a little bit of heat for the Culpepper one. That's about it, though. I got so much heat until number 19. That's when like people were like, all right, your list is starting to make sense. People did not like Mark Bolger. Did not like Kirk Cousins. Matt Hasselbeck, they were like, all right, I could see it. At least he went to the Super Bowl. Ryan Tannehill, they were like, what the fuck is this kid talking about? <laughs> Chad Pennington, even Jeff fans were like, come on, bro. This is getting crazy. Um, but yeah, I just wonder, like, what do people expect? Like, if they look at the quarterbacks, like, if you look at the names we kind of left off, like, what are we going to mention? Vince Young, Jameis Winston? Like, there's really not a lot out there. The the quality dips after, I would say, like, 16, 17. It does. It does. The list doesn't really get going until, for me, 19 when I put Michael Vick, personally. Yeah. That's when it starts to get interesting. And when you get to, like, 15, that's where it's obvious ones, you know? And I think... For the most part, our lists are very similar. It's just the order that we have everyone. Yeah, I would say from like 14 to probably number one, it's pretty much similar. You know, you have a couple of your preferences. I have a couple of mine. Besides that, it's just, it's, you know, we got the same gist of it. My strongest take is on this episode. Best for last, baby. Okay. It's hard to top Eli at nine. Oh, no. that He's, he's, he's easily a top 10 quarterback of the 2000s. Okay. Without a doubt, the resume speaks for itself. Okay. Durability and two championships. How many? How about this? Off the top of your head, how many quarterbacks on this list have two championships? Two championships. In the 2000s. It's only three other quarterbacks that have won two two Super Bowls. Bree, Peyton, and Roethlisberger. Yeah. That's it. Damn. Yo, Russ really got jobbed up. Kurt Warner, too. <laughs> Let's just do let's just do a recap ten through six. Do you have your list in front of you? Yes. Alright, I'll start it off. My number ten quarterback was Kurt Warner, Eli Manning nine, Philip Rivers eight, Ben Roethlisberger seven, and Tony Romo six. Some people thought that they were shocked that I had Tony Romo that high. He gets a bad rep. He does, man. He does. As someone who really focused on his career because he was in the NFC East and because he's a division opponent. 
And he was one of the first quarterbacks that I really just genuinely liked watching. Uh, if he was on a different team with different circumstances, bro, you're talking about a quarterback that is probably even higher on this list. Yeah. When I was watching old highlights of Romo, what was this, like three weeks ago? I forgot how athletic he was. Like, I know he you know, he could move. He had that infamous spin move that I never forget. He got J.J. Watts so bad one time. But, like, Romo could legitimately scramble. And he was put his body on the line. Like, I, he still wasn't one of these quarterbacks who just slid in and tried to avoid contact. He would get after it. I think Romo was the first guy that I started to describe as a mobile quarterback where Michael Vick to me is a scrambler. So I think there's a I me personally I think there's a difference between the two. I think Absolutely. a mobile a mobile quarterback is Ben Roethlisberger, uh, uh, a Drew Brees. The way they maneuver in the pocket, pocket mobility. That's what I think of. Where like what about Eli Jake Plummer. What's up, Jake Plummer? Yo, Jake the Snake Plummer deserved to be on this list. Now that I think about <laughs> no, it, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if he makes top forty. All right, man. Uh, give us your top. You're, give us your 10 through 6, and then we'll dive in. Kurt Warner at 10, Tony Romo at 9, 8, Brett Favre, 7, Phil Rivers, and 6, Russell Wilson. If we did this list two two years from now, Russell Wilson, definitely top 5. But my number 5 is slightly better resume than it. I was trying to give away some free merch for people that guessed in the correct order of my top 5, and uh, no one was able to get it, and I didn't tell anyone what my top 5 is. So okay. without... Any more delay, let's get right into it. I'm going to lead this one off. I think it's going to surprise you. My number five quarterback is Drew Brees. Ooh, that's a little harsh. Drew Brees has a career record of 163 and 111. Um, he's in the top five of every meaningful statistical category when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, one of the first 5K guys, he kind of made 5,000 yards the norm for him. Um. His he actually Allen has had a lot of thirty and forty touchdown seasons. I think peak Drew Brees was in the twenty ten through twenty thirteen uh, seasons. You know they also won the Super Bowl in uh, two thousand nine. So I think prime Drew Brees was from oh nine to about two thousand thirteen, and then now the Drew Brees that you see the last three four seasons, he does have a lot of talent around him. And he has probably the best offensive mind in football, if you really think about it. Like, Sean Payton's been around for so long that he's not in that discussion. Like, people, it's kind of grown stale to say Sean Payton, right? Same shit with Andy Reid. Like, yo, let's stop thinking about McVay and, and Shanahan for a second. And look, nothing against those guys. They're offensive geniuses too. But the OGs are the OGs for a reason, Alan. And I think with, with the Saints... He's kind of gotten a bad deal in the sense that he's played on a lot of shitty defenses. Remember those like uh, um, Rob Ryan Saints years where they were like the worst defense in the league year in, year out? What's up? Spagnolo. Spags didn't work out with him also. But there was one thing that was super telling of Drew Brees, and it's that Never lost more than seven games. Like he he ne he always won seven or more games in his entire career, with the exception being two thousand and three, which was still young Drew Brees. But for the most part, you're looking at, you know, he's always going to be around five hundred, and I think that's you know he's always going to be in position to, he's always going to have his team in position, I should say, to be a contender, and 
he's been an MVP candidate in years past. And when you think of Drew Brees, I just think that he's one of the more unique quarterbacks also because he's opened the door for the six-foot quarterback like no one else before him. Yeah, he's very cerebral. That's how you describe Drew Brees. You, you rarely see him lose his composure. Like He's someone that you know what you're going to get from. He's going to make smart decisions. He's going to make the tight window throws. He's going to read defenses. Like You rarely see Drew Brees make like consecutive blunders. It takes a lot for Drew Brees to you know, look like an amateur out there. He's someone that's just very consistent. That's the best way to describe him. And you know, putting him in Champagne together, they've been around since 2006, and you know, they've just taken off. Or even maybe even 2005, I'm trying to remember that when it all came together in New Orleans. But you know, he's definitely a certified Hall of Famer, and he's someone that is you know, still capable of adding to his resume. I think New Orleans is in prime position this year to you know, contend. I've been saying that for the last like, four years, but eventually they got to get to February at some point. But yeah, Drew Brees definitely top five. I do think you have a little bit lower than I do, but. His resume speaks for itself. I also think another thing that makes Drew Brees sensational is his completion percentage. And I know in the past, like Sam Bradford led the league in completion percentage and he set the NFL record. But here's the thing with Drew Brees, man. He throws the ball 600, 650, 700 times a year. So it's like he's – I always go back to this. Matthew Stafford and Andrew Luck – were considered turnover prone because they would throw a lot of interceptions. But the truth of the matter is that, Alan, these guys were in like top three in pass attempts every year. So no shit. If I'm going to do something 700 times, I'm going to have 20 mishaps as opposed to they're not throwing 20 interceptions, but they're having 300 pass attempts. Then I'd be like, yo, you know what, Alan? I don't know if this guy's really that good. It's, it's similar to Andrew Luck, you know, which Chris is a Luck guy. You know, all those past attempts he had his first four years in Indianapolis, people were like, oh, there's too many exceptions. Well, the team is essentially on his back since they've done such a poor job building around him. So uh, that's what's cut the case in New Orleans for several years. They had a bombed five defense. And, you know, I do think that have to be mentioned, Breeze gets slightly a bad rep because New Orleans plays in Dome. I feel like Dome quarterbacks just get a bad rep in general because it's like this whole benef- it benefits them. Okay, to some extent it does, but. And you still have to be talented. You still have to make throws. It's not just like, oh, you play a dome. You're going to become an all-pro player now. It's like, no, you got to put the work in. And Breeze definitely did that. And he even had some good years in San Diego, we should mention, um, yeah. before eventually leaving. Like, he's been doing this for a long time. Well, I also think, going back to that thing that you mentioned about the bad rep, he, I don't see what's so bad about like, yo, you're playing indoors. You still got a ball. And when a team comes in there, sure, it's a very hard place to play. We got to say oh, that. Yeah, it's a very so hard place to play. Very intimidating. But it's not his fault. Like, they've compared it to the Coors Field in, in baseball. Colorado, a lot of baseball players that go there, their numbers get inflated. Players that play for the Rockies because of the high altitude, pop-ups become home runs. That's just part of the norm. But, man, Drew Brees, I think he gets – he. He gets a bad rep for his playoff success, and I think a lot of that, Allen, is just gut-wrenching playoff losses, man. Even if you go back to 2006, they lost that game to the Bears. You know, that's when the Bears had that that Erlacher defense and Devin Hester was running wild and Thomas Jones. Were you a Thomas Jones guy? Yeah. I remember Lance Briggs, uh, Peanut Tillman, all those guys. That defense was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. 
So I, I think Breeze is one of the more iconic quarterbacks. I'm a big fan of what he's done for the game of football to open up the floodgates for the undersized QB. 50 game-winning drives, 35 comebacks. And he's been in the playoffs nine times. Nine times, Allen, in 19 years. Do you think that's that's rough or what? It's about 50% yeah. almost. So, I, Do you think that Tom, Tom Brady has kind of bumped that bar up so high where... And you have to take into account that division was very, very uh, unsteady for years. Like no team wanted back-to-back years until the Panthers did 2013 to 2015. They went three years before that. You have to think about the the whole you know division changed in 2002. So over a decade, there wasn't an NFC South team that won the division two years in a row. So you know, Breeze had to play against some really good Carolina teams, some damn good Falcon teams, and occasionally Tampa Bay was solid. You know, not not too many good Tampa Bay teams, although that's probably been changed this year. But that division was crazy, and then the MC eventually picked up as well. So you know, Breeze has definitely been through the ringer. What's your? What would you say is your favorite? Actually, save it because you don't have him at number five, right? No, I do not. So who do you have at number five? I have Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. Who? Because I think people in some podcasts know I'm not the biggest advocate of Ben Roethlisberger, but when you look at his stats, you know what he's accomplished. You know, obviously, being very resilient, he's played through countless injuries, he's been in countless playoff games. You just do have to admire his body work. He's the guy down two time Super Bowl champion. I know one of those he was kind of a game manager, but nevertheless, he's someone that you know, really to go from. Bill Coward to Mike Tomlin, he's played with the strictest of strict coaches. Like these coaches are very demanding, and for him, just year in and year out, play really well. And you know, of course, he had to deal with the trials and tribulations you know, off the field, but for the most part, he's held it together. You, know, you rarely see a bad year of Ben Osprey. even when he was contemplating retirement and freaking out after that crazy Jaguars game. He still put it together, and he put up some major numbers, especially whether it would be with AB and then the Juju came on. He's just someone, okay, he's not the best team in the world, but he's someone that, is a, like I said, as gutsy as it gets. And I think his arm, that you know, I think his first few years, his accuracy wasn't great, but eventually you just saw him progress into someone that went from a game manager relying on the running game of defense to somebody that could really you know, take the full initiative and just make the 30, 35 throws a game that you know, at times they needed. So uh, definitely someone that, you know, eventually, I, I was really leaning towards your hammer, Russell Wilson. I was debating that quite a bit, but you know, based on what Vosper has done, I'm still going to give him a nod. But I think if we did this two years from now, I think Russ might surpass him. I had Ben Roethlisberger at seven, but I can't knock you for um, having him top five. It's, you know, the one thing about Big Ben, man, early in his career, bro. Like, I'm talking, like, early. Like oh, the, six? Like, from the time he was drafted to about 2010, this dude was getting sacked in the 40s. Like, 50 times in 2009, 47 times in 2007, 2006. So, look at this. From 2006 to 2009, you're looking at 46, 46, 47, 50 times he's been sacked. And then you look on the flip side, if you go to... From 2015 on, 20, 21, 17, 
24 in 2018. You're talking about that haft, bro. I remember early Big Ben, he was getting injured a lot more. A lot. He did hold on to the ball pretty long. He was one of those quarterbacks to do it. That's the case for a lot of young quarterbacks, though. Yeah, they try to make plays, man, especially when you have a laser rocket arm like he did. Like, yo, he had a gun. Does. He, yeah, he he was a beast, man. And the Steelers went from him being a game manager to letting him just go out there. And think of how many guys he got paid, too, bro. Like, Sanders yeah. left, got paid. Obviously, he went to Peyton Manning, but Mike Wallace was never the same after he left him. Because wow. I remember when he was coming up, it was like Heinz Ward. He was the main guy. Bro, he was a burner. I remember I had Mike Wallace was like my number one wide receiver in fantasy. Oh, we could put Antoine Randall up there, even though I will say I think the, the touchdown he threw against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl probably got an extra four or five mil from Dan Schneider because, you know, Redskins yeah, don't know how to do, on a big stage. Not do business. Yeah, he saw it on a big stage and wanted to move in. Uh, the other thing with Big Ben, man, if you look at his um, – 31 comebacks, 42 game-winning drives, and he's been in the playoffs a ton, bro. He's been in the playoffs a ton. You know, he has 21 starts in the playoffs. That's a season and a half, pretty much. That performance against the Jaguars, people forget about it just because Cause they lost. defense completely yeah. capitulated, but he, he was throwing some just dimes, especially the AB. Like, they made they made AJ Boyer look not like the player he is. Like, he looks like a liability out there. Like, Robsburg was just on point and it was just crazy that they were in a shootout with Blake Boys and the Jaguars and you know, it's unfortunate that they didn't pull it up because I thought that was one of Flossberg's finest games and this was the same this was the first game after uh, October when he played the Jaguars where he threw the four interceptions he was like saying oh, maybe I don't have it anymore and then to play what three months later at an elite level and nearly beat them it shows you just how resilient he is and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how he bounces back because it's kind of be like old school Steelers now. They have a top five defense now. Can Roethlisberger ride it to the playoffs, especially with the new expanded playoff format? You assume Pittsburgh. You know, there's no reason why they shouldn't be in it. My number four quarterback, Allen. You ready for this? Here we go. Aaron Rodgers. Same here. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I don't feel as as crazy. When I think of Aaron Rodgers, I think. A lot of touchdowns, no interceptions. Because his touchdown to QB ratio is the highest in NFL history. And he's a guy who, when he plays 16 games, Alan, good things happen to the Packers, with the exception being 2018. But for the most part, when he plays 16, they either win the division or they make the playoffs. And there was that one year in 2018 where... Some people, if you ask Packer fans, it's because of Mike McCarthy. That ultimately led to him being fired. But personally, on a personal note, probably my favorite football player to ever watch. In terms of his highlight reel throws, I don't think anyone comes close. Maybe Mahomes will challenge him in a few years, but Rodgers' highlight reel is just jaw-dropping. The two, the 2011 season was absurd. Uh, when he won MVP, also they were they were four. He was 14 and one as a starter. The Packers were 15 and one. They were the one seed. Uh, lost to the Giants in the playoffs, but uh, good times. 45 touchdowns, six interceptions. I've told this story many many times back in the day. He throws an interception to Chase Blackburn. You remember Chase Blackburn? 
Yeah, he was the slowest linebacker I've ever seen in my life. Well, he got up there against Gronk when it mattered most, baby, in that Super Bowl, and he made the play. But, yo, check this out, dude. He throws an interception that year in 2011. He only threw six interceptions, right? Chase Blackburn signed on Wednesday that week. They throw him into the Wolves against the number one team in football, the Green Bay Packers. He gets an interception. After the game, they asked Chase Blackburn, hey, how'd you make that interception against Aaron Rodgers? What did you see on film? How did you know? And he's like, I'll be honest with you guys. I missed the call and I just kind of roamed. And I don't think I was supposed to be there. They go to Aaron Rodgers. They ask him about the interception because, mind you, he threw 45 touchdowns, 4,643 yards, six interceptions. They ask him, Allen, and Rodgers goes, I mean, looking at coverage all week, no one was supposed to be there in that alignment that they had. And then it's just like, oh, my God, like he only threw an interception because the guy that got the interception had no idea he was supposed to be there. As far as wow throws, you got to remember the shit he was doing with Greg Jennings, another guy who got paid because of Aaron Rodgers and then never was the same again. What he was doing with uh, James Jones. Remember James Jones left, went to Oakland, came back and was like a touchdown machine with a hoodie? Oh, the hoodie. Hoodie Jones, baby. Yeah. I love watching Rodgers throw down the scene that Jermichael Finley. They had a great report. Finley. Uh, Jordy Nelson, just all the time. Just when I think of Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers, I think back shoulder fade like no one else. You couldn't stop it. It was one of the most like go to moves you could see. Like, but because you remember like Brady and Gronk kind of were doing it uh, during the tail end of Gronk's career. Before that, it was uh, Brady. It was uh, Rodgers to then Jordy, especially that. And then when like Rodgers would roll out to his right and they were in the red zone, you just knew Jordy was peeking out and they was gonna score a touchdown. There was one year Jordy had like 14 touchdowns. The the one knock on I have on Aaron Rodgers is that he hasn't won more. Don't you feel like Rodgers should have won more Super Bowls? Yeah, the, the Seahawks game was one of the biggest choke jobs ever. Like people kind of forget about it. But I also think I you know I'd be a hypocrite if I say that and then I don't bring up this point how he's lost four times in the playoffs in which he either tied the game in the fourth quarter or sorry, he sends it to overtime and then never touches the ball again. So the last possession that Aaron Rodgers had the ball in his hand, he scored a touchdown and then never got the answer back. Yeah, he has to hate the 49ers and Cardinals for life. They are responsible for, I think, four losses. Mm-hmm. And Arizona in particular because those were the two overtime games, especially one when Kurt Warner and him were going at it and Arizona won 51 to 45. Yeah. We talked about that on the last pod. But Rodgers had some real unfortunate playoff luck. But at the same time, he's also delivered. Like, I'll never forget 2010 after the Packers beat the Eagles in Philly. This was when that was Vic's redemption year. Vic was terrorizing the league. They beat Philly. Then they go to Atlanta. Atlanta's rest as a one seed. Rodgers threw, I believe, more touchdowns and incompletions. And Green Bay never punted that game. It was just, he completely just took over the Georgia Dome. Man, it was just like, how is this possible? Because that year when Green Bay won the Super Bowl, they were a sixth seed. This is when they also had a little lead defense. But Rodgers in the playoffs just really took over. And I remember him playing very well in the Super Bowl against the Steelers. You know, 2011 was when we really saw Rodgers elevate his play. And then 2011 you know, won the MVP. And the rest of history after that, he just, just he established himself after that. You know, it was a couple of years where he kind of was still trying to figure things out just because Green Bay was sort of rebuilding because they kind of peaked with Favre and then Favre eventually went to the Jets. But 
year. You with Rogers, you just knew anything was possible. Mm. That offense didn't really matter. The supporting cast, like I think, 2016 was some of his best work because Mike McCarthy was getting a lot of heat. The offense wasn't really clicking, and for somehow they made the NFC Championship. Okay, they got lit up by Atlanta, but for them to beat a really good Dallas team in the divisional round was just incredible and of course you know, we have to mention that throw to Jared Cook is probably one of the greatest throws we'll ever see I got some more tidbits on Aaron Rodgers what about just mastering the Hail Mary oh, yeah, yeah like six of them yeah. which one alright I'm not going to say your favorite because obviously you hated the one he threw against the Giants but which one you think was most impressive I personally think the one against Detroit was hold, the craziest yo hold on what about he in theory, threw two Hail Marys on that drive against the Cardinals. Remember, there was like a there was like a fourth and twenty six that he converted, and then he converted the actual Hail Mary. So he really he had two Hail Marys on that drive. Yo, Jeff Janis, Jeff Janis, man, team hashtag team preseason. Yeah, I, I remember I won like three hundred bucks on a ten dollar entry because I took Jeff Janis in preseason and he just lit it up. You mentioned that he hates the Cardinals and the Niners. What about he hates the NFC West if you throw in the Seattle loss in the playoffs too? <laughs> you know, so that's been, that's been a rough division for him. The one thing about Rodgers is he became a case study for me in the sense where Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, Eli Manning to a certain extent, uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Andy Dalton's of the world. You felt fine with them as your quarterback until they played the Packers and they would have to duel with Aaron Rodgers and then you're like man different beast that's just a different beast it's a different animal and what about his rushing ability too yeah he's the one that's very what's the word I'm looking for here like, he knows how to like make the right decisions when to scramble he's not someone that panics that pocket kind of like Breeze you know with him, he's not going to get too rattled by the pressure. If he needs to step up, if it's a third and ten, he will step up in the pocket. He will make a team pay if they blitz. I think Rodgers is actually one of the best quarterbacks. I don't know if the statistics back then, but I always see him up there when it comes to dealing with the blitz. Like he does not let blitzing phase of one bit. He's someone that knows that either scramble or get the ball out quickly. So, you know, that's another underrated aspect. And I, he is very good with the hand fakes too. If you notice, like he is someone that can get make defenders uh, bite when it comes to being in the open field. You know, for some reason, whether it's a pump fake or just some sort of little nod, Rogers is very, very canny with that. Over 3,100 rushing yards, 28 touchdowns in his career. And just, I, I just, countless, I remember one time there was a game where he was hurt. He had that calf injury and he picked up a first down on like third and eight. And he's like hobbling as he's going to pick up the first down. He's, look, he's probably the best quarterback I've ever seen. As far as like just like the talent and the wow, the wow factor, obviously, like you said, you said a few times on this show where you know two years from now the conversation might change, and that's very accurate and very appropriate. But for now, he's been doing this for fifteen years. These wow throws, where Mahomes has been doing it for two years, right? And the comparisons I think are very very accurate between the two of them. The ad libbing, right? Rogers when the play breaks down, and you know not for nothing for as you know, McCarthy, I think, got a bad rep because of the tail end of it, but very vanilla with his offenses. No motions, no, like, uh, three wide receiver sets, running patterns. It was very vanilla. 
they always ran like a slant flat. It would be like, okay, Jordy's going to run a slant, and then whoever's a tight end, it could be Martellus Bennett or Jared Cook, whoever be running to the flat. And it was just like, okay, teams know this. Like, there was a time where Rodgers had to check it down a lot. You could just see him looking at the silence, like, what are we doing? Like, of course, one of my favorite gifs is the when he has the iPad. He's looking at the iPad, and then he flings it. It's one of like, the best gifs out there. It just it kind of showed you or encapsulate just how frustrating it was for Rodgers because uh, that relationship really deteriorated. I do think if Rodgers had a better coaching staff, he would have won more than one Super Bowl because you know they've had some really good teams, Green Bay, and they definitely could have done more with it. And maybe also Ted Thompson, the lack of aggressiveness and free agency definitely cost them a bit. You know, being a little too reliant on the draft because there's times where I think Rodgers definitely could have used some more help. His playoff record is. Do you know his playoff? I'm going to say it's under 500. His playoff record is 10 wins, 8 losses. Wow, okay. He's had his wins. And think about it. Four of those losses in in, uh, those scenarios that I mentioned. So even if he won two of those, that means he advances to the next round. You might be looking at him as a completely different... I don't want to get too sidetracked and talk about like real football because this is like an evergreen series, but I am a firm believer, Alan, in which I still don't like the overtime rules because I think if you get the ball first and you score a touchdown, I should at least be able to respond. And then from there, if you want to go sudden death, next next score wins, I'm totally cool with that. But I still think they've adjusted the rules a little bit where the field goal doesn't end it on the first drive. If I kick off the ball to Allen and Allen's team goes and kicks a field goal, I have a chance to respond. But no, I think it should be like that for, in in the playoffs especially, you should have a chance to respond, man. I don't think it's fair that you're, you're look at Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. They won the coin toss and then they went down and they scored a touchdown. Breeze can't re- respond. Another guy had terrible playoff losses also. But his a whole other one. Yeah, yeah. His, his are heartbreaking losses. I mean, yeah. Rodgers too, man. In overtime, to be losing like that. So, how do you feel about that, dude? I just think overtime there shouldn't be any clock. Like, obviously, there's a play clock this the NFL game, but there shouldn't be any time. Like, nobody wants ties. There needs to be a clear winner, and I do think both offenses deserve the chance, even if they allow a touchdown. Like, both, yeah, give them the opportunity. It's kind of like with soccer with penalty kicks. It's like okay. Uh, you know, he makes it, you know, depending on the teams, like, you give him a fair opportunity. Like, to not give you know, offense a chance, it seems very outdated. I just think, you know, NFL now, you see them you know, trying to change things up with the whole expanded playoff system. It's like, okay, if you want to try to modernize things, you want to give more opportunity, why not give these you know, stellar offenses? They're just teams, I forget, I don't care what the talent level is, you give teams the opportunity to at least respond. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, think you want more quality across the league just you're kind of punishing teams because of a coin toss just ridiculous number three who do you got Drew Brees okay as we obviously talked about before but it's Drew Brees you know it's I totally forgot about he won comeback player of the year in 2004 like that that goes to show you just like how well he's played for what Know, a decade and a half now. It's just you know, back because I totally forgot about him in San Diego. Obviously, he made his name there and led to the whole you know contract with New Orleans. But you know, Drew Brees just going from San Diego to eventually going to the whole Cole Pepper fiasco. It's crazy how that all played out. But you know, we kind of elaborate on it. But I just think someone like Brees, you know, 
kind of like Rogers, definitely should have more rings, but you know, unfortunate things have happened. But he's someone that I think when you compare him to you know, eventual two, he's someone that's right up there. I was thinking you know, 16 years I have him here where he just played the high level or you know, the highest of levels. And you know, four time second team all pro, one time first team all pro. His just resume is staggering. This guy's just what he's done. And you, know, you want to talk about elevating receivers. You look at guys like Devery Henderson, Robert Meacham, even Marcus Colston, who I know Marcus Colston's talented, but he was kind of limited. Like He was kind of like a yeah. receiver slash Anquan Bolden. Dude, I loved Robert Meacham. He's good. He Perfect. was the man, bro. Wait, he wore number 17, right? Yeah. yeah yo, dude. Devery Henderson also. Oh, my God. But, yo, I remember Robert Meacham, bro. Oh. And you you can make a big argument. Drew, Drew Brees is a huge reason for Jimmy Graham's success. I know Graham's battled injuries, but you know for Graham to have a quarterback like Brees that could just put the ball only where he could catch it. Like Brees' ball placement is just compared to most other quarterbacks. It's comparable. This guy, he knows where to place the ball for only his receiver make play. That's why you see Michael Thomas, you know, have put together these like staggering you know, reception totals. Like he's someone that you know, he, need, he can put the ball where his receiver needs to make a play, and that's why you don't see many teams, uh, you know, stack up interceptions on Breeze because he just his accuracy is just on a whole other level. This guy knows where it's a place, whether it be you know, checkdowns, intermediate throws, deep throws. He's just a machine, and I think you know what he's done. You know, he's had talented offenses, but and you know, he's had a mastermind, Sean Payton. But I do think he's a guy that's elevated receivers. You know, the players around him, and he's got a ton of guys paid. You bring up a. You bring up a strong case for Drew Brees that if you really think about it, who are the two best receivers he's ever played with? Michael Thomas and Mark, Marcus Colson. Colson. But with Colson, how much of that was Brees? Because this is a dude who was, was he undrafted or a seventh round pick? Please, seventh round pick from Hofstra. Hofstra. He was originally a tight end. Yeah, so, and that's the most prolific wide receiver the Saints have ever had still to this day. When you look at the numbers, his name's at the top of all those accolades. That's a Drew Brees product, bro. True. So. I think Jimmy Graham too, to an extent. Yeah. 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 You know, now that, now that I think about it, that's why towards this era of Drew Brees, they're kind of rewarding him and giving him some talent. You know, like they gave him Kamara, who's versatile out the backfield. They went and got him Ginn. I know it's Ginn, but he was coming off a monster campaign with the Panthers. Traquan Smith, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Manny Sanders now. We've been raving about how I told until now there's been a couple more signings, but nothing too noticeable uh uh nothing too serious where I think that's the best signing of free agency. When you look at fit and what it does for the Saints. But yeah, Breeze, man, Breeze, I think the consensus would be top four. And I yeah, have him five. There. But I, I also want to mention this is kind of an underrated trait that Drew Brees has. He is so good when it comes to screens where he just he has the patience where he doesn't rush into screens. And like you look at his chemistry with say Pierre Thomas or Darren Sproles and now Alvin Kamara, like he is someone when it comes to screens, you won't see him throw into the defensive line. He knows to take his time and whether he needs a lob it or underhand it, he's gonna get in those running back's hands and they're gonna explode. So that's another aspect of Drew Brees because I remember him. You know, I've been watching him light up the Falcons for countless years now, and other NFC South opponents. He just, especially on screens, it seems like every other game the Saints have scored twenty or thirty yard touchdown off the screen, or even a tight end screen. You have someone like Josh Hill just peeking out. It's just he, his timing with his players is just 
astonishing. And I think that comes through his work ethic and just you know the timing and you know, just the play design from Sean Payton. He's the complete package. And I think someone like Drew Brees is we'll never forget him play obviously, but he's someone I think more quarterbacks should watch and study because I think now people are kind of you know you look at you know, the two quarterbacks we're going to talk about next and talk about some of the other more electrifying quarterbacks. But you want to talk about efficiency? I don't think any quarterbacks ever been more efficient than Drew Brees. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting... You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. (laughs) One last thing I want to mention about Drew Brees, and I saved this point for when you were going to bring him up. He's probably my number one draft pick of my lifetime as a football fan for the biggest what if. What if he didn't go to the Saints and he went to the Dolphins when he was supposed to? And what that does to college football with Nick Saban maybe not going back to Alabama. And then what happens to the Patriots if they got a Hall of Fame quarterback in their division that they got to deal with? And what happens to the Falcons, right? Like if you don't got to go through... Well, how about the Saints? Because they were having a deal with Katrina at the time. Right. So yeah. he's one of the biggest what-ifs. And also with the Dolphins, I got to say, the worst fantasy football night of my life, Drew Brees. Drew Brees was playing the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football, and I had a 74-point lead. The kid I was playing, I split it. What team. year is this? This is in, oh, shit, what's the year? 2013. Okay, we're telling Drew Brees here. It's a lot of years. 2013. Yeah, I'll never forget it. I'm getting chills right now. I split a team with Espo. $400 league, right? This is a must win for us because we're 0-2. We have a 74-point lead. We're going up against Drew Brees and Darren Sproles, Alan. That's trouble. Drew Brees, mind you, there's a five-point bonus for 400 yards. Threw for 413 yards, four touchdowns. Not my league. Full PPR, seven catches. For 114 yards and a touchdown for Darren Sproles. Four carries, 28 yards and a touchdown for Darren Sproles. We lost by eight. <laughs> you know it hurts when you remember September losses. Yo, that is the, the worst the worst loss I've ever had on in fantasy football. And I've lost like playoff games, but it's been games where like I was like I was never winning. But to be winning by 70 plus points and losing. Straight to sleep. Shout out to Drew Brees. My number three quarterback, Allen. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, from the moment he's come into the league, all you do when you think about him is he wins. He's a winner. He has a 86-41 and 41 record, 21 comebacks, 28 game-winning drives. In the beginning, he was a game manager, and the last five years, he's flourished into a tremendous passer. 
10 wins, 10 wins, 12 wins. His worst season, they went 9-7. and seven, But that was like the complete rebuild. But that was also his best touchdown and interception ratio. He had 34 touchdown passes. I think he led the team rushing that year. He did. He did. That was the year that he led his team in rushing. He's the smartest scrambling quarterback of all time. Think yeah, of a time that he got sure. lit up. There isn't. There's not a a hit that like yo Lamar Jackson gets popped. RG three got popped. Kaepernick got popped. These quarterbacks get tattooed because you can't hit a quarterback. So when the quarterback runs out the pocket. They're like salivating at the mouth to put. We had mentioned Vic, but I'll never forget Brian Dawkins that playoff game lit up Vic. <laughs> like he sent it to another dimension. Vic was getting popped too. Shit, he got popped in that national championship game, which ultimately led to them not winning when he was back in college. I just watched that thirty for thirty on oh, uh, wow. the, it was a two parter on Mike Vic. Really, really good documentary. And I know a lot of people were hating it because of the dog stuff that was featured in there. But you can't tell the Michael Vick story without the dog stuff. But going back to Russell Wilson, you want to talk about a guy who just never gets hit. He's played every single game since he's been in the league. Remember, this is a dude who was a third-round pick. They signed Matt Flynn to a relatively decent deal at the time. Right, He was the big free agent get for the Seahawks. Benched him. That's when Pete Carroll won me over. Because usually, I don't know how many organizations and coaches, Alan, just say, yo, look, we're going to pay this guy $15 million a year, but he's ass. This kid is better, and we're going to go with him. Because a lot of times, dude, these players play, or they're in a rotation in basketball or whatnot, or, or in baseball, they're, they're, they're batting cleanup because they have to because they're being paid $40 million or $30 million. And Pete Carroll was just like, yo, you guys want to win? Yeah, all right, well, we got to go with this kid. You guys want to just get something back on your investment? We got to go with Matt Flynn. And Matt Flynn's out the league. Like, he was out the league shortly after. And I think with Russell Wilson, who's the best wide receiver he's ever played with? Probably Doug Baldwin. Undrafted free agent. Tyler Lockett. I remember Tyler Lockett at Kansas State. Bonafide special teamer, gadget player. I remember going at it with uh, Jason uh, from Brodo, the Patrop twins. How I would say like, yo, Tyler Lockett is dope, man. They got to give him a chance. He's like, yo, he's a punt returner, whatever. And then two years ago, not this past season, the year before, only Pat Mahomes to Tyreek Hill had a better QBR. I think they had a perfect rating when they were targeting each other. And now Tyler Lockett's getting $10 million per year. He's never played with an elite, elite Top flight wide receiver. He's taking chicken shit and turned it into what's the expression? Do you know where I'm going? Chicken salad. Chicken salad, yeah. There you go. See a punk. And he's a guy who has done a lot with a little offensively. Look, and he's had a running game with Marshawn Lynch. I get that. I get that. But everyone likes Russ Magic and Russ Dick uh Russ or or uh, Dangerous is his Instagram handles and shit. Well, a lot of the flash with Russell Wilson is because his offensive line can't block for him. So the dude got to be balling the way he does. And I think he is the most underrated quarterback in the league, despite being a top five quarterback. I still think he doesn't get the respect he deserves. Really? And- I think he's gotten it the last two years. 
I think with Brian Schottenheimer, man, like I, I think some of his best work was last year. Everyone thought, okay, this is the demise of Seattle. Most people were picking to go six and ten, seven and nine, including myself. The roster talent just wasn't there. And even with our run first kind of ancient offense, he got him there. You got him to the playoffs. Okay, that Dallas game, I always make fun of for being one of the worst playoff games ever, but you know, he really elevated a team of. Not, many, two, not too many weapons, and their defense was pretty much Bobby Wagner, Earl Thomas, who flipped, who got injured in September, then flipped everyone off, and that was it. Like past two years, Russell Wilson has dead, he's established himself as a lead quarterback. You know, he's been very good for all of his career, but I think his last two years, you know, all the criticism that he got in previous years is gone. Like what he's doing, you know, just the way he's just improvises is just incredible because. His offensive lines, you know, what they've played behind, have been mostly below average units to guys that have no business being in the league. I believe I saw something that he's only lost by double digits two times in his career. There is not a quarterback, him and uh, Deshaun Watson, are the two quarterbacks that put fear in my heart when I have a uh, minus seven ticket and they have the ball and they're down. They put he puts the fear of God in me as a better. Dude, I'll never forget that Carolina game in the playoffs. They were done 28-0. This was Cam's MVP year. And I just remember watching Division of I'm like, oh, God, what a dud. I wanted to see Cam and Russ go at all four quarters. And then Russ, I think he got within seven in the fourth quarter. It was one of the most incredible comebacks that wasn't really a comeback because they lost at the end. But you know, it's just stuff like that. Like You could never count him out. He's as gutsy as it gets. And I think with Russ, he's only getting better as Seattle gets the right piece around him. I just... Kind of like Aaron Rodgers, I think he's being held back by coaching a little bit. Like, could you imagine if Russell Wilson played like a Kyle Shanahan offense? That would be like one of the craziest things ever. Seahawks fans might be familiar with this term. Have you seen on social media, NFL Twitter, let Russ cook? It's definitely something that was often, you saw it this year, uh, especially in some of the San Francisco games, just like, all right, enough of running the ball on first and 10. Just let this man throw the ball. In the last two seasons, going back to Schottenheimer, they are 29th in the NFL in first half pass attempts per game. So the let Russ cook is when the Seahawks are down at halftime, it's like, yo, let him do his thing. Let him improvise. Let him be great. Let Russ cook. For those that might have seen it on social media now, you get the behind the scenes as to what that means. He's won a Super Bowl. I want to mention that. And he's been in the playoffs all but one season in his career. And in the season that they didn't make the playoffs, they went 9-7. and seven. And he threw 34 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He has not been the reason his team has failed. He's been the reason why the Seahawks are a legitimate threat year in, year out. And he's played 15 playoff games. And, like, he's... To be a, play 15 playoff games and be, what, he's 31, 32 years old? That's just a t- testament to how good he's been. He's won a playoff game every single year but 2018, and he's missed the playoffs one time. So, I mean, And dude. I know people are going to say, okay, he played with the Legion Boom, and he had a really good support guest round, but if you look at it from, I would say, 2014 onwards, he's truly delivered. Like, okay, the first two years he was more of a game manager, but since then he's someone that's won them games. He's someone that's put the team on his back. Like, I think all the talk about all oh, Russell's been elevated because the Legion of Boom and, you know, a couple of Marshall Lynch, a couple of their friends, it's like, no, this guy is really, you know, taking a throne in Seattle and become a true superstar. 
So, because you know, people are gonna they kind of have knocked Russ in the past. Because when you have a you know, stellar defense, they're gonna be like, okay, you're not doing it all. But you just watch game by game. You see Wilson consistently deliver and make those clutch plays that you need in crunch time. Number two, who do you got? It's gotta be Peyton Manning. Yeah. I forgot about Peyton Manning. You know, it's, it's weird. He retired in, what, 2015? Like, I feel, it feels like I haven't watched Peyton Manning play football in, like, a decade. Well, here's the thing. That last year was really bad to watch. And in 2011, he didn't play. Yeah. But those Denver years, he was sensational. All yeah, time. 2012 to 14, he was, especially 13. 13, I think he broke the record. Yeah, 55 touchdown passes. Tell us about Peyton, bro. Five-time MVP, seven-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year 2012, 54 game-winning drives. It just it goes on and on with Peyton Manning. Made the playoffs 15 times. <sighs> Dude, you know what I would do for the Giants to make the playoffs over the next 20 years to make it 15 times? I w- anything inappropriate you could think of, I would do it. Do you know how much better my life is when they make the playoffs? Even if they don't win. You get the anticipation in January to go. They win a game or two. I can start dreaming. It's just nice to root for a team that is not... I'm about to start crying. It's nice to have meaningful November football and not watching your team week in, week out, wanting to lose so they can have a better draft choice. Why does this conversation turn into a Giants rant? Because I realized that he made the playoffs 15 of the 17 years he's been a pro, and the one year he didn't play, so that's why he didn't make the playoffs. Like, or he's the cream of the crop, man. I'm gonna. I want to throw some scenarios at you because he's number two for me. Also, uh, I want to just play a little bit of a game here with you. Do you think he benefited with the division that he played in, and that he played indoors? I know we talked about the indoors thing with Drew Brees, but gotta remember this division was not that good. An expansion team joined. Two expansion teams. The last two expansion teams are in his division. Yeah, even though, what was it, the Central, and then it went to the South. I'm trying to remember the AFC Central, and then when the Texans came in. Cause, but yeah, it was the Jaguars and Panthers that came into the league in, like, what, 1995, and then the Texans afterwards. But hey, the Titans were pretty consistent. We talked about Steve McNair a couple episodes ago. Yeah. He came a little bit of a run, but of course, look, this division, it was nothing like the AFC North or West. I think those are the two you know, competitive, most competitive divisions of the AFC. He's probably the smartest quarterback I've ever seen. As far as like the whole, I remember. You, you, did you ever play Madden? Yeah, who hasn't played? Madden? Right, right. Remember when they used to have like the light bulb thing, and you were you would eventually like you would be able to see what the defense is actually running. Like Peyton Manning, if you we would pick the Colts, the light bulb would light up. It would be like um, you would get like. Uh, turbo with Randy Moss. It was like extra turbo and no one could be able to guard him. Uh, this is when like... Um, fuck, what was that running back's name? Uh, Jamal... Charles Daniel, Dan Thompson. No, no, no. It was like... Oh, man. He was a... Bru- oh, like Brandon Jacobs. Fuck, he played for the Giants. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But he would have like... He would have like the... 
He would have like the, yeah, Matt Random, but he would have like the truck stick thing, and he could never be able to tackle him. Peyton Manning really made it fun watching pre-snap stuff for me, like the audibles and Omaha, Omaha, and, and yeah. moving people around and the chess matches. He was the first guy that I really saw manipulate people pre-snap, and then exactly the the constant battles with the Ravens and the Patriots in the playoffs, and like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. And then you would look at Brady and Belichick against Peyton. Man, Peyton Manning, it, I, I've, I've talked about this before, how he's been credited with losses in the playoffs where he threw four touchdowns and then they beat, they beat the Ravens one year where they went on to win the Super Bowl where Adam Vinatieri hits five field goals and he had five interceptions. Like He's had some bad playoff losses, but a lot of it hasn't been because of him. And I think Peyton Manning went to three Super Bowls. No, he went to four Super Bowls, and he won two because he Correct. lost to the Saints and he lost to the Bron- uh, to the Seahawks, and then he beat the that, Panthers. The Bears one was pretty forgettable because it's dude, just the whole Rex Grossman yeah. factor. And it was raining too. It was like yeah. a shitty. The, the coolest thing about that Super Bowl, one, it was in Miami, and uh, two, it was Prince. Ah, oh, that's right. Damn, yeah, so long. Yeah, two thousand six, bro. I love that you referenced you. You mentioned the word manipulating because I, that's what I think Payne was at his best. He just knew how to, you know, regardless of the courage, he knew how to exploit space. He knew how to find his targets. Like he has such great chemistry with players. Okay, you can mention you know, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, but players like Brandon Stokely, Austin Collie, Dallas Clark, Jacob Tammy. Like he just had this chemistry with players where they would follow him even to Denver. Like he just built up his support. And I just think Peyton was just a machine when it came to working with his players. Like when it came to offseason work, he would just go to places and they would just that's where they got the chemistry from. And it didn't matter who they brought in, they'd fit in because Peyton Man made it fit in. There wasn't a receiver or a tight end that they didn't bring in that wasn't successful because they just knew between the offense and just how much Peyton Man worked with them, uh, they were going to succeed. Because I think that's something that you have to keep in mind. Like I'll never forget Devin Hester when he joined the Falcons. He was talking about how much Matt Ryan appreciated him, how much Matt Ryan worked to get in the offense. Well, with someone when he was playing with Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler, if he messed up, Jay Cutler would stop throwing the ball. Like I think people undervalue how much importance goes into the quarterback receiver relationship. You have quarterbacks like Matt Ryan and Peyton Manning, where they just build up. It doesn't matter if it's a slot receiver or punt returner if there's a way they can fit the offense the quarterback you know the best ones know how to get them into the offense and know how to make plays and i think that's what pay may did whether it be you know, a guy like stokely or austin collie he's just someone that knew how to get everyone involved and that's why they put up record-setting numbers year in and year out what about anthony gonzalez pierre garcon wow. okay that's a name right there anthony gonzalez <laughs> Pierre Garçon. I did blank on Pierre Garçon, of course. He got paid when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, when he went to Washington after. Damn, Dan Snyder just giving out contracts. I do think a lot of guys have made money because of Peyton Manning. And I want to go to the defensive side of the football. The way those teams were built. Man, how different would Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis's careers be if it wasn't for the fact that they'd be playing with 17-point leads pretty much every week and they could just pin their ears back and rush the passer. Because I think that's a very underrated quality, man. But you know that they built their team on the two pass rushers, and they were sensational. But it was also the fact that they knew that they could rush every single down because they would play with these big leads. It's definitely a big advantage. And 
of course, with the dome factor and, you, of course, having that noise. I know Indianapolis is known for having the most raucous crowd, but still, you have team on the road, especially some quarterbacks like, say, the ones that play in Jacksonville or Houston where they're pretty overmatched, and you could just bully teams. You know, they can, by the third quarter, games would be over because, you know, Colts had 34 points while these teams are struggling to put up double digits. All right. Number one overall. Surprise, starting, surprise. Starting quarterback to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. All right. Tom Brady's number one. Congrats if you knew that already. Uh, Alan, I want to I wanna have fun with this one, man, just because it was obvious that – I think it was obvious what one and two were going to be. Um, now, let's just read off his accolades just to for, for those that might be living under a rock the last couple of years. <laughs> Um, oh, he just moved. He he's renting Derek Jeter's waterfront house in Tampa. That's that's very nice of Jeter. That's the biggest stat on there right now. Fourteen Pro Bowl appearances, three-time All-Pro. I feel like that's a mistake. Uh, three-time MVP, Offensive Player of the Year in two thousand seven, uh, two thousand nine AP Comeback Player of the Year. Remember he tore his ACL. Two thousand and ten AP Offensive Player of the Year, six-time Super Bowl champion. Um, look, how different, how about this? How different would his career be? But you know what? You've brought up a good point in the past, how you could say the same about the Falcons and the Seahawks Super Bowls where he came back. So like, I I feel like six is the right amount of Super Bowls that he's won. It all evens out. I can hear the pain in your voice. Anytime you uh, what about the just, other? They just recently played that game. Yeah, on and he and he and he put it on his Instagram that he was watching it. Yeah, fantastic! I did see the the Patriots Giants one is coming up. I don't know which one though, because as you know, there are two of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what can you say about Brady? I think you know, early on in his career, you just watch someone that you know, this whole story of a sixth round pick from Michigan just coming to the league, replacing Drew Bledsoe, beating that Rams team, and then just hitting Belichick, building that dynasty, even though they had a phenomenal defense. Guys like William McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, Mike Vrabel, Richard Seymour, they really built a strong core of Sunday Samuel. You know, kind of like Roethlisberger in a way, where they had a really good defense and Brady was kind of feeding off it. But I would say by that 2007 year, which I know is legendary, you know, the whole chemistry with Moss and then the rise of Russell Walker, you really saw Brady become you know, a guy that's more known for winning and managing games to just being the best quarterback in the league. And just from there on, he was just someone that was just so, I guess, mechanical. That's how I refer to Tom Brady. This guy, kind of like Breeze, where just his accuracy was always on point. The timing was there. He knew how to build a chemistry with whoever receiver came in. You know, Belichick could sign whoever, and they would make him productive somehow. I think the only receiver that didn't really work out was like Chad Johnson for I'm not sure maybe Chad was just washed up at a point. But even someone like Brandon Lloyd, I remember I loved Brandon Lloyd. They brought Brandon Lloyd in and got made plays. Like it was just something like that. You know, you bring someone like Ben Watson, he's gonna make plays. I just think what they did with Tom Brady, uh, bring in all sorts of different talent and you just make it work. You know, then kinda of like Breeze where the running back situation, like Kevin Falk was like the prototypical third down running back. You know, you want something with their chemistry, you know, whether it be on screens or check downs, they would make big plays. Just Brady I think, you know, with all the best quarterbacks, he knew how to elevate talent. That's where, you know, quarterbacks on the list is. You're Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson. These guys 
knew how to elevate talent. This one on top of the list, Tom Brady is you know, the quintessential quarterback of knowing how to elevate talent. You know, it's kind of find out he's in a position where he arguably has the best Duke receiving duo he's ever had in his career. You know, you know, considering all the work he's put in, I think he kind of deserves it. So that's good. It's going to be cool to see how he plays that. But you know, when it comes to the course of his career, he's just someone that didn't matter what was around him, he made it work until obviously this past year where just it's, there wasn't enough talent. But you know, in his prime, he can make it work. And that's something that you have to buy. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13. Do you know what I just counted off? I'm going to say season's over 11 wins. Fucking bye weeks. Oh. (laughs) Dude, what? Do you know how hard it is to get a bye and how the fan base rejoices that you got a bye? And this fucking guy, every year... We're not going to play that first week in January. I think one of the reasons why they lost this year when they did was because they had to play in that first week. Oh, well, you can't beat Fitzmagic and Devontae Parker. You deserve that. At home. Yeah, yeah, you deserve that. Listen, man, he is the most successful quarterback of all time. He's the greatest of all time. I don't think he's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. That'd probably be the only thing that I could say about him bad. I, where do you fall on the is it Brady or is it Belichick spectrum? I don't think I don't know why it's a debate. I think both of them have done enough for it. Just like okay, it was a steady combination. I don't think one did more than the other. It was just two guys that it was a perfect relationship. I think it's it's more Brady than it is Belichick. I think, and I think Ooh. a very underrated part about Brady is that. People see Brady and Belichick and think, well, he's been in the same system his whole career. That's not true because, like you said before, he was a game manager. And then they get Moss, they get Stallworth, they get Walker. They started to air it out. So that's a different system. They adopted the two tight end system. They changed the whole game of football where they would say, yo, you know what? This tight end shouldn't be 280 pounds and just a blocker. Like, no, we need this guy to be a hybrid. You need to be able to line him up like a wide receiver. And now look at the NFL. Dude, every shit, the Super Bowl this past season, Niners and Chiefs, the two best tight ends in the league. Who knows if we have that if it wasn't for them revolutionizing the game to the point where the tight end needs to be treated like a wide receiver. If you forget, San Fran at one point had Vern Davis and Delaney Walker before Delaney Walker got, Walker got paid to go to Tennessee. He, that was a tight end combo as well. But they definitely initiated that. And you know, we talk about systems. Let's, we can't forget Josh McDaniels went to Denver mm-hmm. at one point. So that was another change I had to deal with. I know McDaniels eventually came back, but you know, it wasn't always the same routine with them. It wasn't just, okay, we're going to have this offense. Cause I remember starting out with Brady, they had a lot of smaller slash slot receivers. Your Deion Branches and Troy Browns and Roche Caldwell. These weren't receivers that were, you know, they went, didn't go up and go get it. They weren't these physical specimens. They were more of just guys that could separate, and they were crafty route runners. And then eventually you got your physical freaks like Randy Moss. You know, 
that's when it came, I guess. And then, of course, you know, the Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez combination. So Brady's definitely seen a lot of different, like, cultural schematic shifts. And I think for most parties, his play has never really dropped off. He's always played at an elite level. He He's just played in so many different systems, and I think that it's not mentioned enough. Just because you've been with the same head coach for all those years doesn't mean that your systems haven't changed and adapted. And now the last handful of years, it's been all dink and dunk and this whole West Coast underneath slots and picks or screens, whatever you want to call them. He's been able to adjust. And how many guys has this guy made money for and gotten them big contracts and gotten them into places that they didn't belong? Like, yo, Edelman is in the... Hall of Fame discussion because of his playoff resume. I I hope that's not discussion. I've uh, I backtracked on that take. I, I felt uh, like he was a Hall of Famer, but then yeah, it's just not enough in the regular season. That has no business being discussion. But I give you me when it comes to you know what Brady's done for certain players. Uh, I'm trying to think what comes to mind. Here, here's a good question though: What do you think Brady's most impressive Super Bowl win is? Seattle. So you would take Seattle over Atlanta? Yeah, because a lot of the Atlanta Super Bowl was a lot of James White. And and also it was a lot of, you know, Matt Ryan got sacked, the fumble with Hightower. Um, Edelman made that ridiculous catch where people thought the ball hit the ground. So there were a lot of things that Brady... He like, threw a bad pick in that game too. Like Robert yeah, Austin. Brady, I thought that was a mistake that Brady was the MVP. Like he shouldn't have been. He should have. Been. James White scored three touchdowns. Like <laughs> James White really took over that game, bro. The, he was the MVP that year, and I remember someone, uh, one of my buddies, I forgot who it was. He he bet James White to win to win uh, Super Bowl MVP, and he was oh, furious. He's heated. Yeah, and I remember him texting me, and he's like, "Yo, who do you think's gonna win MVP going into overtime?" And I was like. I don't know if they'll give it to James White, but let's see what happens here. And then who scores the game when he touchdown? James White. So I think the Seahawks Super Bowl, they were down 10 late in the second half. That was still the LOB. They had just won the Super Bowl the year before, did Seattle. Right? Dominated Denver. Dominated Denver. And, man, I thought that game was his best Super Bowl performance. Because the early, the early Super Bowls, like, he played pretty shitty in the Rams Super Bowl. And then he had that game-winning drive, which he really only went like 40 yards, and they got bailed out on a penalty also. I thought he played very well against Carolina. Carolina's a good one. Yeah, Carolina's in that discussion. Eagles uh, one was weird. Eagles one, he, he... Technically, that was his best performance, but they didn't win. Like, his numbers were through the roof. I'm talking about the earlier one. Oh, you're talking about the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when McNabb quote-unquote vomited. <laughs> yeah, that... Terrell. I think Brady, that's the first time Brady threw a touchdown Mike Vrabel. Well, that was also Deion Branch won the MVP in that Super Bowl because he, I, at the time, and I don't know if it's been broken. I remember I went to that. It was in Jacksonville. That Super Bowl, he caught 12 or 13 passes, Deion Branch. He was so good, man. That's he all was. I can appreciate receiver right there, man. I yeah. love Deion Branch. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he his I think his best Super Bowl performance was the Seahawks performance. He was getting beaten up, too. He was getting hit. He was getting hit. He got hit in Atlanta also. Atlanta, I remember uh, Jarrett. Great Jarrett. Three sacks. Freeney had a couple. Yeah. That was the way Freeney's last. Hurrah, yeah, where he was still <laughs> a beast. But, yeah, man, I think I, I, I think I would say his best game, regardless of outcome and winning or losing, was 
the most Philly. recent Eagle one. Yeah. But as far as like in a winning performance, it was easily Seattle for me. Okay. That was a good question though. What would you say is his best moment? Because it's got to be with the Super Bowls, right? Because he's done it so many times. Like, was there a conference championship game that really blew me away? Because a lot of the conference championship games, they kind of won handedly. You look at some of the ones against Indianapolis. Or That's another Pittsburgh. thing. He's played in 10 conference championships. He's played 20 years. Half, we said before about Drew Brees, how half his career he made the playoffs. And we we're like, yeah, that's good. Half of his career was a game before the Super Bowl. That's the most. Do- this is the most dominant franchise. Like it doesn't really surprise me. Like this yeah. is how good they've been. You know, I know looking back on it, you're gonna be like, you know, how did this happen? But you know, we're kind of living in the moment right now. I'm just like, okay, it's it's the standard. It's the Patriot way. They're the, you know, they're standard of excellence. Let me let me change that. Let me rephrase that question a little bit around as we're winding down. Not what's his. What's your favorite Brady moment? Man, I gotta think about this one a little bit. How about you? When the reporter asked him about what Plaxico Burris said, and Tom Brady turns and goes, Ha, we're only going to score 17 points? Okay. Well, you scored 14, you fuck. Yeah, God forbid it's not a giant one. <laughs> As I'm staring at Super Bowl tickets, memorabilia, and hats, baby. Oh, man. Nah, on a serious note, though, my, my, favorite, my favorite Brady moment was... The entire season after Deflategate. Oh, the revenge tour? Just F you attitude. You suspended me for this shit. Just suck my balls. And just went absolutely bananas. I, I'll give him this. The, the Chiefs' recent AFC Championship game where everyone thought Gronkowski was done and Gronkowski could barely move. But Brady was just throwing these back shoulder throws. I remember like Eric Berry was isolated against Gronk and Edelman, I forgot who was covering him, but that those last few drives, Brady was just like, okay, I'm throwing the ball to Edelman and Gronk and the Chiefs defense. I'm not going to do anything about it. He was just throwing laser after laser, and he pretty much outdueled Mahomes in that game. So if there's one that came to mind because you know, I'm trying to think of some old school ones. That's that's but. probably the last Brady moment that we'll have in a Patriots uniform because he didn't have any last year. <laughs> last year didn't happen. So like, we're going to remember that. 2019 Patriots team as like anonymous like it was so boring and you want to talk about benefiting because I remember that those first two months we were just talking about how they are playing the easiest schedule ever and yep. it, it came back to one man y'all should make note of that when you're listening to the show this next football season we tried to tell you tried to tell you it's one of those teams but no one thought okay every year it's one of those teams but it's like the Patriot more it's yeah. like because even when we were watching Patriots Titans with all our boys People just like, oh, I'm not banging. It's the Patriots till I see the Blues. I'm like, think you're going to see them lose tonight. I asked everyone I knew that would tell me the same shit. Well, it's the Patriots, bro. I'm like, give me a reason why they're going to win. It's the Patriots. All right. I bet that plus 280 on the Titans, dog. Yeah. I will say, I did always love when he threw a touchdown on Mike Vrabel. I just, because back in the early, mid-2000s, we really see those trick plays. Okay, like we would see a reverse every now and then. But to see a quarterback throw a ball to a linebacker, which is one of those really cool moments. Mm. All right. Tom Brady, number one, greatest quarterback of the 2000s. Probably greatest quarterback of all. Definitely the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, it's, I'm just excited.
excited to see what you do in Tampa. Like they're e- easily the most fascinating team right now. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you haven't caught up, definitely go and catch up. Some really, really cool conversations. Um, yeah, never mind. I was going to say something, but it hasn't happened yet. So let's just wait to see if it happens first, Alan. Alan, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, until next March, when we'll come up with a different idea for the series. Because I remember last year we did it a Patreon exclusive. It was the best 25 players in the world across all sports under 25 that was a really fun conversation but uh alan you're the man i appreciate it where can they find you alan underscore stirk that's a double l e n underscore strk before we sign off let's give a quick shout out to the members of the franchise tag and the supermax ryan pisner Corey johnson hoops Derek pleates daniel gibson christopher velasquez and nick chavez as far as i go it's at the lamb show on all social media outlets And at Veterans Minimum is where you can find all things for the podcast. I just like the sound of it. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.